At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is a podcast from Minute Media. What is up, Raider Nation? Your buddy Murph back once again with another Raiders fan radio conversation. And we are really stoked tonight to uh, to have somebody join us that is uh, one of the coolest Raider fans uh, there is out there, one of the coolest Raider fans in media, national media. Uh, and he's a great follow on Twitter uh, if you need him. Uh, and he's the host of Southern California's only all Raiders show, and I'm talking about Silver and Black tonight, Silver and Black today, that is on uh, Fridays from 6 to 7, and then Sundays in the a.m. from 9 to 10. Uh, does that with his buddy Mo Moten. Uh, they are on the Mightier 1090, uh, which is an ESPN radio affiliate down there uh, in Southern California. And also, aside from all that cool Raider stuff about him, he's also got great taste in music and has started a new podcast called Rock Mysteries that is fantastic. I'm a junkie already, and we're only three episodes in. So uh, without further ado, welcome in uh, here to Raiders Fan Radio, Scott Gobranson. Murph, how you doing, man? I appreciate it. And uh, man, I'm I'm looking at my set. I'm looking at your set, and I'm way behind. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I love the cave. The cave is the cave is the most unique, I think, and best environment in all of Raider creatordom. Right? It's like it, you you see it, and you're just like, that is some serious <laughs> commitment and eye candy. For people watching, so I give you guys uh, all the credit in the world. Well, uh, you're very, very kind, and that, and, and I, I appreciate the the comments. And it's it's my bonus room, and we just uh, you know started doing this podcast thing in the corner of it, and eventually it just kind of kind of took over the whole thing. But uh, yeah, but but thank you, very, very, very kind. And so uh, you know, and that's and that's quite a compliment because you're coming out of like real media, like you're a real oh, news yeah. guy, you're a real journalist. I'm just a schmuck in a in a you know with a microphone in my freaking bonus room. But like, and I'm one of the things I did want to ask you about that is that you've been very kind and very supportive of our show uh, online and otherwise you know on on social media and whatnot how do you feel about fan media because i know that there are some in, that are come out of conventional broadcasting like you that you know look at people that do what i do is just a bunch of knuckleheads you know and we are <laughs> but you know but there's there's levels to it i think but anyways i want to know your opinion what do you think about it yeah, no, I, listen, I love it. I, I mean, not just like regular media, if you want to call it that. Um, I think that there's degrees of good media and bad media, right? I mean, we all know uh, people who cover the Raiders that not very many people like, and they think it's overly negative and all that jazz. And I think the same with fan media. I think fan media is fantastic. I think that there there's a downside to it. The only downside to it is that there are some folks, that's all they want, and they just want to hear positive, positive. Now, you guys... You're positive, right? You do great things in the community with the charity work that you do and all that stuff. But when the team needs to be critical, criticized, you criticize, right? So you yeah. guys are realistic fans. And I think that's why you have such a great uh, viewer and listenership is because of that. But I think overall, the democratization of this medium is awesome for everybody. And it's you don't have to be a professional. And listen, I 
I was a professional journalist. Then I went into the the corporate world, and that's where my day job. Like you, I have a day job, right? So I have a day job. I do this stuff on the side. But there's some in the legacy media who wouldn't even accept me either because there's this kind of oh. old school pecking order, right? And they look down upon that stuff because of of those of us. You know, I went to journalism school, so I learned all that objectivity stuff and all that. Uh, which really doesn't matter anymore because even some of the big newspapers and 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 four letter TV networks don't have objectivity because they got money in the game. So so I think that it's really unfair, and I think a lot of members of the traditional media are really unfair to fan based media or independent media when they shouldn't be because right now uh, you know the NFL is its own media, right? So so the Raiders yeah. website is going to get more traffic on Raiders news than any publication sans maybe a couple of the big sports ones. So to me, um, it's great. And, and for those guys that look down upon you or anyone else doing it, you know, they can kiss my backside because look, you're creating <laughs> great content. And you know what? A lot of those, a lot of those guys, I say guys, cause most of them are men. The women who are in the business seem to be much more to, to with it and uh, modernized. A lot of those guys don't even understand what you do. They couldn't set up a camera. They couldn't stream to YouTube. They don't even listen to podcast. Like they don't understand it. And so they get left behind. And then I think they get jealous uh, and they feel they feel uh, threatened, frankly, because uh, you can pull in. You can pull in a lot of viewers. And there's some people on TV and radio stations in major markets, including Las Vegas and other area NFL cities where they're not even getting as many listeners as you are. Well, appreciate the kind words, and and yeah, and you know, it's it's uh, it's fun because it comes out of it comes out of a passionate place. It comes from a place because yeah. that that's you know all I've ever known in my life is to be a Raider fan, and so that's where it comes from, you know. And so, uh, but appreciate. But the same story though is for you, and t- talk a little bit about that about the origin of your Raider fandom because you've been a fan of this team for way longer than you've been talking about them on on shows, right? Well, to to be to be fully transparent, Murph, like I always say it this way is I'm a fan of the Raiders doing well because there's there's some people from when I started five years ago uh, with the podcast, with the website, which that at that time was called Las Vegas Raiders Report, became silverandblacktoday.com, which is now part of sportsnot.com. But nonetheless, when I started that, um, there were people who hated me and still do because I grew up a Charger fan. I know that's going to some of your some of your viewers and listeners are going to be like, oh, God. And well, so we're I out of time get- today. Scott, appreciate you joining <laughs> us on the show. <laughs> yeah. So so I, I grew up hating the Raiders as a kid. Right. So then I got into college and I had a college buddy who's in the media and I'll keep his name out of it. Um, and then even when I started to do really well with the Raider content, because I cover the Raiders objectively, I don't I'm not overly critical for all the people who want to say, oh, you're a Charger fan. I've never said anything positive about the Chargers. I'm not a Charger fan anymore. I stopped in 2014. That was like the end of my NFL pure fandom, right? Like you guys, I get jealous of you guys, especially all the people in Raider Nation because they're such great fans, because I'm not really, I don't have that emotional attachment. Okay. But the Raiders in Las Vegas, my wife was born in Las Vegas. I have kids born in Las Vegas. I've lived there twice. So to me, Las Vegas and the Raiders, that was it. And so that's that's what gave me the idea to start the, the show and the business. And so uh, from that perspective, I want them to do well. And so that's where I created this kind of content thing to go. And then that led to radio because I had radio experience in the past. But some people hold it against me. As you know, Murph, there's you, you could you could be you could cure cancer and someone will still hate you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so, absolutely. so you as creators, you have to have thick skin every once in a while. I'll get in a spat with somebody in social media because they're idiots. But overall, <laughs> I just I'm, overall, I just ignore it because. I always say it's very simple and you can say this too, because your guys do such a great job. 
It's like, what have you created? What have you yeah. created? Have, have you even created anything that's crappy? No, you haven't done anything. So until you start doing something, uh, keep your comments to yourself. Absolutely right on. Well, you're doing a great job with it, and I, I appreciate your content. And I know a, a lot of Raider Nation does. And uh, yeah, if you're not listening to the to the show, and you can find it online, you can, it's all over the place. All you got to do is just follow Scott at your LV Gully on Twitter, uh, and has all the links on there. And you can you can find the show very easily. And and uh, yeah, if you're not listening to it, Raider Nation, you're you're doing it wrong. Definitely check them out. Um, so all right, let's talk a little bit about the team. Um, so what do you, what, what kind of what are your what are your thoughts? What are the like, I hate to say like what's the biggest that sounds like such a freaking like hack question what's the biggest story of the offseason because but because the, the, there was so many big stories but like you know from but if you had to kind of put your thumb on a, on a couple things that really stood out to you over what's gone on the past four months scott uh what's out there well i'll, I'll tell you i for the first time since i've covered them and i mean you guys as, as lifelong fans you, you know you've been through all the misery i have not but <laughs> but in the five years that i've had a show and covered them uh, it's been, you know, ups and downs and just, just, just this big sway to me. I mean, I won't even get into the player acquisition, which is really exciting, but I think the whole Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels, what they're bringing to the organization, Mark Davis got it right. I know, Hey, I was excited about Gruden, right? I, everybody was excited yeah. about that. It was going back to the past. It felt really good. We felt like it was the right thing. But now, I mean, you see the way these guys are operating, Murph. And to me, if you're not bullish on this Raiders team, and I, I think I always give Raider fans that call into the show or talk to me via social media, I always give them a little crap about being too sensitive because, oh, the national media, this, the national media. I'm like, guy, who cares? Just win ball games, right? But this year, I will say, I think the national media, now not everybody, but some are. I had, I had Cynthia Freeland on our show a couple weeks ago. And she was talking about how she felt like the Raiders were being underrated. Hunter Renfro was underrated. That was the, the key story. But I really think people are sleeping on the Raiders because, yes, the whole AFC West got good. And, again, if you think I'm a Charger fan, would a Charger fan say this? The Chargers continue to get credit for doing nothing. Yes, they signed people. I'm not saying they didn't get better and they didn't get held player and Cleo Mack and some other guys. But I think they're sleeping on the Raiders, and I don't think it's fair. And I think that's only because – during that second Gruden era, the Raiders would start off so well, and then we'd have that, that swoon at the end of the season. So I think that's ingrained in people's minds. But, Murph, I got to tell you, I really believe in Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler. The, the feeling around the organization, I know you hear the same thing. It's just different. You heard Darren Waller on Jim Rome the other day talked about, it. hey, from the get-go, this felt different. The ex expectation to win and to prepare to win started early. They didn't wait till they got to camp. The expectation and the culture that they put in place in Henderson on Raiders Way is all about winning and that culture. And it, it makes it makes uh, perfect sense for guys who have six rings, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I I couldn't agree more, and I love it. The I the idea, you know, you, you there's some fans out there that have said, "Well, it's bringing the Patriot way to the, to the you know doesn't belong with the Raiders," and it, like winning belongs with the Raiders. So whatever <laughs> winning looks like in silver and black, like I you know what I mean, I'm good with it. And I think you brought up something interesting too about how there's this kind of like all out nature from national media on the Raiders, which we're used to. That's kind of used a typical. Yep. But you do see the tide starting to shift a little bit with folks like a Rich Eisen or whatever, where they're starting to kind of buy into what the this new version of the Raiders is. Do you think that that's as a result of a, of a year last year where with all this adversity we have 10 wins or is it because just strictly the front office changes and now where we're going with, with that direction? 
I, th- I think it's a little bit of both, but I definitely think it's 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 more dominant from from the front office, right? So with Ziegler and with the coach, with Josh McDaniels, because even though Josh had that situation in Denver, which no didn't go well on and on any front, um, he's learned, he's matured. I mean, you you in that in introductory press conference, you talked about it very eloquently, and I think that the people uh, remember. Guys like Rich Eisen, they're so well connected. He works at the NFL Network besides his own show. He's talking to front office people. He's talking to a lot of people. And that the feedback he's getting about those two men who now run the Raiders organization on and off the field is so overwhelmingly positive that I think that there's the confidence there that they can come out and say, you know what? They're going to do something in Vegas because these guys know what they're doing. And it's not the Patriot way. Those guys learned under the Patriot way, but they learned how to win. And you can hate Bill Belichick like most Raider fans do, but I will tell you the guy won. Whether he cheated or not, who cares? Doesn't matter. They won. And to your point, it doesn't matter. I don't care if they bring out a seance spell every game to try to win. If they win, they win. And so so I, I think that's why people are starting to jump on board because they believe as much as people love Gruden and like the personality of Chucky and all that stuff, Gruden really hadn't done a ton. And he was out of coaching for a long time. These guys have been in the building. They've been building teams and winning championships. And that makes a big difference. Well, you know, it's funny when you, when you mentioned how some fans, you know, they, they get in their, in their feelings about Belichick and about the Patriots and all that, all the cheating. They literally used to have a sign in the Raiders locker room. You can, Matt Millen tells the story amazingly. Rule number one, cheating is encouraged. Rule number two, see rule number one. Like that's, (laughs) Like the Raiders were literally defined their legacy and their mystique a, a lot by how far they could push the envelope. So that oh idea that like that's what Belichick did, and that's what Raider fans want to be critical. I'm like, it's a little bit of a freaking pot calling the kettle black here. I'm like, easy with that. Well, and Murph, listen, you know what? If you're winning trophies, Lombardi trophies, uh, and uh, Raider fans would not be complaining if they were cheating. Uh, they wouldn't. They just wouldn't. I mean, look, you win, you win. And I understand. Look, I always say this. I, I married up with my wife, but my wife, unfortunately, is a Yankees fan, right? Oh. And so uh, I've had to hear that for 25 <laughs> years of marriage, including in 1998 when my Padres played the Yankees and got swept. So, so, but, and I always say this, like, I hate the Yankees. I, I freaking hate the Yankees, the Yankees, but I respect the Yankees. They've won 27 championships, right? So you can, you can have the duality of, look, I hope the Patriots lose, go 0-16, don't like Belichick, but you got to give them credit. They did what they did. Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree. I'm an A's fan, so I, I hate the Yankees and, and, and the Dodgers as well. And, and yes, and you, you, it's hard not to respect the accomplishments. Now, I'm also a Warriors fan. I hate the Lakers, and I don't respect or, or like them either one. But that's a different story. Um, but, uh, so, so these front office changes that are made. Okay, yeah. it was also a lot of ballyhoo in this offseason about the front office changes that went on again. So now we have here a couple years in a row, right? First was Bedane leaving and right and then and then now this they got the, the, the next round. But they the result of that now is that Mark Davis hires this guy right here, Marcel Reese, right? Former yeah, number 45, yeah. right? So what is talk to us about the significance of that and 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 I kind of talked about it on our last show and I, and I really tried to land the plane but I couldn't really get there. So I'm hoping a pro like you can can get us there. What is it? What impact does a? We know what Marcel Reese had an impact on us as fans for his play on the field, but as far as a front office goes, 
outside of like stability in the organization because Mark hired his best friend to come in there and help. What is the significance to us like on the ground level? Like what is what will that actually impact the Raiders organization from a fan looking at it from the outside? Well, I, th- I think a couple of things. Number one is Mark Davis has to have somebody in the organization, like you said, that he completely trusts, that he trusts with his life, he can go to and know he's going to get the straight dope anytime he needs it, right? So I think Marcel Reese is that guy. I also think the con- not just continuity of people in the organization, but somebody who understands what it is to be a Raider, understands the Raider alumni, understands the fan base. Because the Raider fan base, unlike any other fan, and I don't care what other football fans say, okay, the Raider fan base is the most unique fan base there is in all of sports. Let's go. It's also the best, best fan base, right? And so you don't have – I'm not saying there isn't other diverse fan bases, but the Raider fan base is a special one. And Marcel Reese understands that he's close to it. He's close to the football side. He's close to Mark Davis. So to have him there with these two guys who came from the outside, right? And and they have their own way and their own way of doing things and their own tradition and all that from where they came from. But at the same time, having Marcel Reese in the front office, being there to know and understand the legacy that is there is vital. And I think that's why it was such a great decision. And that's the thing that I also like about Mark Davis. And I haven't agree, agreed on everything with Mark Davis. And I've criticized him heavily over some of the front office um, uh, kind of malaise that's been happening in his, his inability or just lack of desire to talk about it publicly. Um, but at the same time, I respect the hell out of him because he has learned, I think, one of the most important things I learned in my business career, which is when you fail or you make bad decisions, it's only bad if you don't learn from them. If you yes. learn from them and then you move forward and you get better each iteration of yourself and of your organization, then you're doing the right thing. And it took Mark a while to get his to get his his kind of equilibrium, right? But I think he has. And he's had missteps. I mean, we've had the stuff with Bidane. We've had the stuff now with Ventrell and all that ugliness. But you know what? Um, he's stuck in there and he's made better decisions each way down the road. So anybody who criticizes Mark Davis, you can criticize him for certain things, but overall the way he's steering the organization and the people like Marcel that he's bringing in, tell me he's learned and he's building for excellence more than ever. That's an excellent point. You know, I, I tell my I have two boys, two teenage boys. I tell them all the time, like, your character is not defined by the mistakes that you make. Your character right. is defined by what you do as a result, you know, or not defined by the things that externally that happen around you. It's how you respond to them is what defines us. And so that's an excellent point, you know, and, and I think we as fans probably could use to give Mark Davis a little bit of grace. I mean, here's the guy. He's literally following in the footsteps of one of the greatest, if not the greatest owner, sports owner and the history of freaking sports and yeah. that had such an impact culturally and out otherwise outside of just within the NFL. So like I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, and I, and you know, I think Mark Davis, the direction he's taken the team and, and what he was able to accomplish from a stadium alone, he accomplished something his dad couldn't accomplish in a 30 year period. I mean, like, so, you know, I got, I got to give him much respect for that. So, all right, one more question about the front office and then, and then we'll, we'll move on to some other stuff, but how, is there a world? Okay. And I, and I know we're not in the speculation game here, but I, this, I just something interesting popped into my head today. 
I read today, I got caught up on Goodell's testimony to Congress and the ongoing investigation and around the Washington football team. And, you know, and we smelled a rat from day one, right? I'm sure, you know, you did as well. You know, that there's this thing is running deep and there's a lot that's getting covered up here. And for whatever reason, whether it was some sort of misdirection or I I don't even know, again, another plan, I can't quite land yet on why the Raiders were targeted, why John Gruden was targeted. But now with this uh, ruling that he's gotten in Nevada, where they're going to open up all this information and they're actually going to continue to dig more into the into the case and have total transparency around it now the stuff's going to start coming out not excusing any of the wording and anything that that john gruden put in any of the emails and we've said that from day one too like look was he unfairly targeted yes was he saying stuff in emails he shouldn't have been saying yes that's true too both things are true at the same time so not exonerating him of the behavior or the things that he was doing but if he, if there's shown to be that he was unfairly targeted, proven, and now there's these other stories that come on around it, and the NFL and Goodell or Snyder, whoever else is exposing these things, is there a future? Because everyone's redeemable. Is there a future for John Gruden with the Raiders again? We know Gruden loves his guys. Is that could you ever see Gruden is like coming back in like five years or so when everything's settled down and come back in a position, or is it, or is this just we've everybody's going to move on from Gruden and that's it. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a great question. And I've actually thought about it a couple of times because uh, yeah, everybody likes a redemption story, but, but Murph, you know that the times in which we live, there are some things that now become unforgivable. Like you cannot earn your way back. You can do things uh, like drunk driving and, and, and even kill people accidentally in some ways and, and, and find redemption. There are some things today people are very sensitive and they're just not willing to accept. Now, a few years from now, is it would Mark Davis hire John Gruden again? I think so. He didn't want to fire him in the first place if we go back to the story. Right. Right. So and, and at the end of the day, it actually worked out better for for the Raiders, I believe. No, no offense to Coach Gruden, who I like. But um, I think, yeah, I mean, I think there's a possibility there. How long? What will it take? Does he want to do it? Because I have to tell you, I really I have this this kind of love and hate relationship. I love the NFL. I love the game. Uh, I love covering it. I love um, watching the Raiders and what they've been able to do so far in Vegas. At the same time, I very often call the NFL a mafia because I believe it is. I believe it is a borderline criminal-like organization. They operate like one (laughs) because what they did with Gruden was they were taking heat off an owner. It's much easier to sacrifice a coach than it is an owner, right? And you heard Danielle Snyder uh, again uh, uh, Goodell rolls into Congress via video and um, takes the bullets for the owners. That's his job, right? His job is to go in there and and take the bullets because the billionaire boys club, God bless them for, for making their money, but they're not going to take the bullets. Uh, and so Daniel Snyder is on his yacht in Europe or wherever he's at. And so there's Roger Goodell sitting in front. But I do think that the, the, the Gruden lawsuit will be very interesting. I would imagine the NFL will do, try to do everything it can to settle and get that thing done quietly and pay Gruden. And then it's going to be a question. This will be the interesting thing, Murph. Will Gruden just want the money? Couldn't, I wouldn't blame him if he did. But at the same time, if I'm him, do I want to clear my name so I can come back and, and whether it's on TV, whether it's working for the Raiders or whatever. So he may end up saying, hey, F you guys, I'm taking it all the way because I'm going to clear my name. That's what I find interesting is that he don't need the money. 
He's like Tom Brady. Like he ain't doing it for the money. Like, you know what I mean? He don't need it, you know? Like, and so that's, that's, it's, uh, he's dangerous to the NFL. I think at this point, it's going to be really interesting. And like, and it's, and you know, what's fun is that again, the circumstantially and all that stuff, it's, it's not only unfortunate, it's sad. And again, I'm not excusing anything that John Gruden never did. Um, but man, there's nothing like a good old Raiders versus the NFL story, huh? We've only been doing that forever, you know? So there's something about that, that, uh, and, and that I think that, um, all of Raider Nation, I think, regardless of how you felt about Gruden as a coach and all that kind of stuff, you want to see, be- because, again, not because excusing him, but because the Raiders were targeted, that's what we want to see, you know, justice be brought up for, you know? Oh, yeah, and, and not only that, but I'm always amazed when I see Raider fans. Now, I understand Raider fans sometimes get mad at the owner if they think there's a bad decision made. That's just part of fandom. I get it. But I'm always shocked when I see people make fun of Mark Davis. And I understand he's easy to make fun of with the haircut and the white jeans and the white T-shirt all the time and all that stuff. But at the same time, to me, that's the most endearing part about him. How how many owners, and I think this is why he's, he's somewhat ostracized in the NFL and why they chose Gruden as a sacrificial lamb, because I think a lot of, you know, think about Stan Kroenke standing next to Mark Davis. You know, that, it, those are two different people from two cut from two different pieces of cloth. And I don't think Mark Davis has the standing. That's not a criticism of him standing amongst the owners because he's not like them. And to me, that's the best thing about him, right, is he's closer to the fan than anybody else. And so I would I I would think that that should be a badge of honor for folks. And I would love Mark has done so much, I think. And you saw it in that that Al Davis versus the the NFL documentary on on um, on ESPN about about how Mark made such strides. I mean, the fact that the team even got to Las Vegas, right, all that stuff, Mark kind of mended some of the fences. But I think now that he's mended the fences, he's making money and the team's in better financial position than it's ever been. I think it's time for him to start, yeah, taking on some of his dad's persona and saying, all right, I'm going to do what's right by my team, by my players and by my fans and the rest of the NFL. Well, if you're not coming along with me, I'm going to go my own way. That's beautifully said, man. And yeah, and that's the, you're right. Someone that stands out different from the rest of the pack. That's the Raider. That's the Raider way. That's what makes Raiders Raiders right there. Not going along with everybody else. So very well put, Scott. Thank you for that. All right. All right. I got got one more thing for you about the Raiders. And then I want to talk about some rock and roll stuff. Uh, (laughs) All right. So um, you've lived in Vegas a couple of times, uh, as you mentioned. Um, what do you think about, and I'm not going to preload you with my opinion on this because I've heard different thoughts around this. How do you feel Vegas has done in terms of a community, a city business-wise all that stuff? How do you feel they have done with the Raiders in terms of a relationship to this point? You know, I I think it's been very good. I think it's taken some time. I think that the COVID, you know, the, the punch in the gut that was the COVID season, really hurt the Raiders uh, in the city because you know, being there during that time and seeing how there was this excitement building. And I remember I had a conversation uh, the day everything shut down. Um, I called Mark Bedane and I, cause I was trying to figure out if whether or not the, uh, the NFL season was going to be in jeopardy and what they thought, even though we were only in March and the, the draft was supposed to be there. So I was talking about the draft and I mean, I had never heard him. Mark was always very great with all of us in the media and would take your phone calls and all that stuff. And I called him and he sounded like somebody died. Like he, he literally was like in mourning and he was just telling me what a, what a, what a 
punch in the gut it was for everyone in the organization, everybody who worked on the project to get the stadium open. So I think the community there um, also, too, it, it, because of all that happening, it kind of interjected itself. The Raiders did everything they were supposed to and did it well three years before they got there. They were doing community events and investing with the foundation. They had staff there. It was amazing. Um, and so I think I think it's been a little bit of a slow to warm. I think, as you saw last year, they started to do well. The, the, the bottom line is Vegas will always be a market where people are going to be more attracted to winning. And if it's in if it's in in and in the scene at that moment. And I think NFL always is. And if the Raiders can continue to get better, it'll be fine. I think you saw it get better as the year went on last year. Um, And also when I'm around town, it's there's still there's people with Raider gear everywhere. So I think even those transplants that might have had other teams, I had my neighbor in Vegas was a Seahawks fan. He had the 12 sticker on his car and all that kind of stuff. And I said, oh, I go, so uh, you're always, oh, yeah, always be a Seahawks fan. I said, but the Raiders are coming. That's the NFC. He's like, oh, yeah, no, no, I'm going to be a Raiders fan. I'm going to be a Raiders fan. And he got season tickets and he was going to be a Raider. He was going to cheer on the local team unless they played the Seahawks, right? Okay. So right. He, he he could do that because that was an NFC team. Um, so so I think you see a lot of that. And that's the, that's the interesting thing for people who've not lived in the Las Vegas market. Um, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about where the tickets go and that the casinos buy all the tickets. Now there's some truth to that, but it's way overblown. And I think that the, the Raiders are settling in now. The community's used to it. I also think what's going to help the Raiders, and and even though I'm a Golden Knights fan, and they started off so well, when you go to the Stanley Cup Finals, your first year as a franchise, <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah. Um, um, but they're falling off. They, they had they had a tough time, fired their coach. And I think there's lean days ahead for the Golden Knights. So the kind of luster is off that. Uh, and people only have so many dollars to spend on entertainment, right? So I think the Raiders will benefit from that because I think the Raiders are on that big ascension right now. Mm. And Las Vegas always loves a winner. When I was in college and I went to UNLV and we were good in college basketball all those years ago, uh, it was the biggest show in town. And I think the Raiders will be the biggest show in town moving forward. Oh, that's awesome, man. Good deal. Yeah, it's um, it's been nice. You know, I I grew up born and raised in in the Bay Area, and uh, you know, of course, it's a house divided. You know, half the half the <laughs> half the people are Raider fans, half are, are Niner fans, and I grew up in San Jose, so like literally in the middle uh, of them. Um, but you know, like I heard George Kittle uh, just on the most recent episode of Busting with the Boys talking about the Bay Area and about how you know where they were at and where they're at in Santa Clara now. He's like, so many people are just kind of like indifferent to the team. I don't. When you go to Vegas, no one's indifferent. I, I, I feel it. I feel the. Is it Oakland? No. Is it ever going to no. be? No. But it's okay. It doesn't have to be. It's its own thing now, and that new own thing is pretty cool. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, that, and, that, and that's the thing, Murph. You know, that's the one thing. Even when I start, I started doing my show literally uh, two years uh, before the Raiders even moved to Vegas, right? So. I, that's why I love my my guy Dan Kearney at Odyssey, who runs the the, the fan in Las Vegas and and the, the bet in Las Vegas, the two radio stations that I've been on there. Um, you know, he he said to me at that time, he's like, yeah, let's get ahead of this thing. You know, people need to learn about the Raiders before they get here. And I think that was part of it. I think you can't. And I was always I was always key to say, listen, Oakland will be a special place. It will always have that history. You can't ever take that away and you can't ever, it'll never be like Oakland, but it can develop its own traditions and its own feel to it, but it takes time. It's all brand new, right? We've only had one season 
where you could go inside the stadium. <laughs> right. And I saw you guys out on the strip and all these events and these watch parties and stuff. And of course, my former colleagues at Raider Nation Radio, uh, like Q and JT and Vinny and those guys, they're out doing that stuff. It's it's phenomenal. So so it is different. And I think for for fans like you guys that are from the Bay Area or went to Oakland a lot, um, it's just going to take a few years to feel to feel good. I mean, I remember being a Padre fan even when the Padres moved into their new stadium in San Diego in Topeka Park. Uh, everybody was so excited. And then I got there and I was like man, I feel like I'm in a sterile, like hospital environment. It didn't didn't feel, it's not that I wanted to smell pee all over the freaking concourse or anything like that, but it it just, it just felt so sterile. And you know what, by season four and season five, it's kind of, kind of got its own character. And I think that's what you're going to see with Raider, the, the, the Raider nation in Las Vegas, meaning that people will start to feel, get used to their own, their new customs and their new traditions. And then it'll start to gel a lot. Love it. Love it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's got to come from somewhere organic and it's just going to be a different, a, di- a different version of the Raiders. And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. It doesn't have to be yeah. a bad thing. So we appreciate that. All right. We've got just a few minutes left. You've been amazingly gracious with your time. Uh, My before we, uh, before we get on to the rock and roll stuff, just want to remind everybody Southern California's only all Raiders uh, show silver and black tonight, silver and black today. That is Friday nights from six to seven Sunday mornings from nine to 10. That is on the mightier 1090. And of course, ESPN radio and also, Scott hosts the amazing Rock Mysteries podcast. So let's talk a little bit of rock and roll. All right. Yeah. So uh, what was your first rock and roll concert, Scott? Kiss in 1977 in Kansas City at the Municipal Auditorium. Oh, my gosh. Is that what, Destroyer? Or is that like Love Gun? Or what are we doing there? That was Love Gun. Love and, Gun. And, and my dad took me and my older sister. And um, I remember this because... My dad was enamored with Kiss, not so much because of the music like I was. Uh, and for me, I was wearing the Halloween costumes back then. That's how I was. <laughs> so, so, but my dad was in business and my dad was just, he, he was enamored with Kiss as a business. He's like, these guys are friggin' brilliant, right? This whole shtick and get up and all that kind of stuff. So that was my first concert. And then as a teenager, funny story, because I, I love rock and roll, right? And you and I have talked about this. But um, my, my, my first kind of coming of age concert, I was 13 and my, my sister took me to see Tommy Two-Tone. Oh my gosh. Is that eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine, Jenny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it was like, it was like, Oh, I knew the song like off the radio, right. As a 13 year old, uh, started to lose my voice and all that stuff. And, uh, and so she took me to that concert at San Diego state. Cause I grew up in San Diego. So, so I went to that one, but yeah, I was lucky. My parents took me, that was my first like rock and roll show. But then my parents loved music. They were into R&B. They were into rock and roll and stuff. So I saw Tina Turner at the, the cool jazz festival oh, wow. in Kansas City. I saw, oh, my gosh, I can, the Doobie Brothers, all these bands as a kid. Uh, so I've been very fortunate to see a lot of live music. That is awesome. So what was the best one? The best one. Jeez, I'll tell you what. I break it down a couple of ways. There's, there's some concerts I went to with young ladies, so they were really great because of that, because of that. <laughs> Um, especially during my rolling around in the grass at the amphitheater there. (laughs) And, and I won't even, I thank God there's no pictures of me in spandex pants because it happened. (laughs) Oh Um, yeah. 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 Oof. Bad stuff. Uh, But um, I'll tell you one of the best technical concerts I ever went to. And it surprised me. It was 1987. It was kind of the tail end of the original journey. And Randy Jackson was playing bass at the time. Oh, wow. And, And musically, I just had never heard anything so perfect. 
They were so perfect. But for me, I, uh, dude, I am such a, a massive Van Halen fan. Let's so go. I saw Van Halen on the 1984 tour. I'm, I'm such a fan. See, I knew, I knew we were going to talk about this. So I'll, I'll bring out some of my. Oh, games. look at that. Yeah. Yeah. I got that one. And then. So um, uh, for so, those on the audio podcast, he's busting out the, uh, the EVH guitars. there, the black and gold. Or black yeah, and yellow and then, guitar, and then oh, and then there's the red, black, and I white. Got my fifty-one fifty here. Yeah. Gosh, dang, yeah. that's beautiful. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome, Scott. Yeah. So, so, so uh, the Van Halen shows, the nineteen eighty-four show. It's interesting because that was the last tour with David Lee Roth in the first incarnation, and um, my friend Bill Myers and I were at that show, uh, and and we were kind of sitting towards the back, not quite in the upper deck, but definitely towards the back, but straight on. And it was it was one of the best shows I ever saw, except David Lee Roth was drunker than hell. So you couldn't really, <laughs> couldn't really sing very well. Uh, but so I've seen them. I've seen Van Halen about 16 times. Uh, I've oh, seen wow. Rush. I've seen Rush. You know, I, I'm definitely into kind of the hard rock stuff. So I saw Stevie Ray Vaughan's one of my favorite. I'm, I'm, I was wearing the shirt today uh, as well. So I got to saw him once before he passed unfortunately. So, so there's so many shows. I, I mean, the stray cats, you know, I, I saw Chuck Berry in Las Vegas. I mean, oh, so wow. many, I, I'm very eclectic with my music, but I love guitar music the most. No question. Right on, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Hey, we've just got, we've got literally like three minutes left and zoom's yep. going to kick us out of this darn thing. But uh, <laughs> if you had to build a rock band, so oh. if you had to build a rock band full of former Raiders, so give me a drummer, oh. a bass player, a, a lead singer and, and your, and your shredding guitarist. Who do you got, Scott? A drummer. Oh my God. I'm going to put twos on drums. <laughs> you gotta. <laughs> right? He's just, yeah. just going to go nuts on those things. He'll probably go through a bunch of drum heads every day. Um, let's see. Lead singer. Wow. I gotta, I gotta think about lead singer uh, on guitar. <clears throat> oh my gosh. I'm going to on guitar. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put the snake on guitars. Surprisingly. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to put him there on bass. How many members of the band here? Because I could go for like 12. Four. We so we got a bass. We, we, we need a bass player and then we need a lead singer. Boy, a bass player. Um, oh, that's a tough one. Lead, si lead singer. I, I got to go. With, um, I got to go. Even though he, I know he can't sing because I've actually heard him sing. Um, is Bo Jackson. Oh, <laughs> nice. Because it would be unusual. <laughs> on bass. I don't know who I'd put on bass. Maybe Freddie B. Just because he'd be oh, nice and just, casual just, there. That's the thing. You just got to have a chill bass player back there. Yeah, just yeah. slapping the bass. Just, right? Yeah, <laughs> slapping the bass. <laughs> uh, Scott Gilbranson, you're the best, man. Thank you so much for joining yeah. us here tonight uh, here on Raiders Fan Radio, man. And again, everybody go check him out. He's LV Gully on the Twitter. And uh, if you're not listening to his show, you're doing it wrong. Murph, I appreciate that, man. There's, there's co great content for everyone, your show, our show, depending on what you want. Uh, and I look forward to having you on our show real soon, too, buddy. Absolutely, man. Anytime, my friend. All right, brother. Take care now. All right, man. Take care. Have a good night. You too. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win 
redeem your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.